Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hey, IDP Army. Ever think about making your own podcast? Let me tell you about Anchor. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. And you can make some money with your podcast, too, with no minimum listenership. It's got everything that you need to make a podcast all in one place. So what are you waiting for, IDP Army? Download the free Anchor app and go to anchor.fm to get started today. What is up, IDP Army? It's your man, Jordan Reigns, back again with another episode of the IDP Army podcast, where we are talking mostly IDP, all fantasy football. Make sure you subscribe wherever you are listening to this. If you're on YouTube, hit the thumbs up, follow, all that fun stuff. Got a really fun uh, topic for you all tonight, today, whenever you are listening, watching this, we are going to talk about what is Dynasty Fantasy Football. And, and you know, you're probably like, oh, I've heard this conversation before. Well, I promise you haven't heard this conversation before. So I'm excited to uh, let you all know that I'm going to be joined tonight by Samantha Holt of Fantasy and Focused. And here she comes. Hi, how are you? I'm great. How are you? Thanks for joining me tonight. Of course, I'm super excited. I, I love I love IDP. We were talking a little bit off air. I'm super excited to, you know, get a little bit more. I'm not going to go too nitty gritty on it, but just why I love it and why it's, you know, been super important for me and my dynasty formats, why I love it so much. Yes, excellent. Yes, I, I was very happy when I reached out to you to find that you have been playing IDP even longer than I have and that you have lots of dynasty experience as well. So I was like, shit let's get her on the show so we are going to talk about what is dynasty fantasy football it seems to be growing in popularity you know i came into the space as a redraft player a lot of people did you know even some people may have come in from dfs everybody's fantasy football journey is different but a lot of people are finding that if they like fantasy football in the regular season and they want to keep that going dynasty fantasy football is literally you know it's the solution to all your problems so more and more people are coming into dynasty last year we had all the covid leagues popping up you know about all that so we all ended up in double digit dynasty leagues don't lie we know you did it um <laughs> but you know we all did it so it's okay but before we jump into that we were going to talk about some like just random news and stuff but jj watt that was kind of the big idp news for the week he signed with the arizona cardinals I was kind of surprised that he went there personally. What did you think about that? I mean, I was surprised too. I think there were a lot of different indicators and all of us trying to decipher his Instagram posts for the last couple of weeks to figure out where he was going to go. 
some news that he had purchased a house in Ohio. So Ohio fans were getting excited thinking he was going to go to the Browns. Steelers fans were getting excited because, you know, we just see a bunch of stuff with him and his brothers. Okay, they're talking. They're bo- Could they all be on the same team? We finally get to collect them all, collect the whole set. Yes. Um, but then he went to Arizona, which I think was completely out of left field for a lot of us. I think it's a good fit, though. I think that there's a lot of different ways that he can, with his veteran presence, make an impact on that defense. I don't think that and I don't think it's crazy to say he's not the JJ Watt of 2014. He's not going to come in the season and get 20 sacks, but what he's going to do is instill a lot of confidence with the younger guys and show how they can be a more fluid, cohesive uh, front. And then, you know, I think he's going to do a lot of good things with that team. Yeah. That's, you know, that's kind of what that team was missing last year. I mean, they had a couple of closers, but they really didn't have like that, like they had some, they had some great players, you know. They didn't really have that solid unit. It couldn't really stop a drive when it really, really counted. You know what I mean? Um, the big, mm-hmm. you know, sack games all came against crappy teams like uh, the New York uh, Giants and all that. But yeah, I, I like the landing spot. Two years. I mean, he got paid like a high level pass rusher. I mean, not necessarily the twenty mil or whatever, but he, you know, he he says he went there because of Kyler. I guess that means he believes that this the Arizona Cardinals team is going the right way. I'm personally not a huge Kyler guy um I think he maybe got a little bit uh, I don't know maybe it's DeAndre Hopkins I think maybe swayed him a little bit they had a very you know they really their hearts of their career um happened together in Houston so that probably played into it a little bit but I I like the signing Uh, it makes me sad for my Hassan Reddick shares because that makes me think that they're definitely going to be moving on from him no more money to pay him but I'm interested to see where he lands he he's he's got some uh some pass rushing chops no, for sure. I mean, for me, I think it's it's. I think he probably signed there because he's looking for playoffs. And I mean, when you're looking for playoffs, you're obviously he's looking for a ring. He wants to finish out his career with a Super Bowl win. And I think that there's a lot of great youth and a lot of value still with the Cardinals right now. And if they don't win, like they don't, I'm not saying they're going to win a Super Bowl this year, but I think that if they can shore up that defense and Kyler under one more year, you know, he's already got such good legs he's got amazing rushing floor mm-hmm. which is why you love him for fantasy but when he gets another year into this system and they can really start clicking i think there's going to be a lot more progress there was a lot of good flashes a lot of good moments and this next year for kyler i think we'll see a bit more con- consistency across the board and when you bring in a veteran presence like jj along with you know hopkins who's going to have been there another year you're going to see a bit more of that consistency across the board and i think that's what they're going for yeah, love it, love it. Um, let's stick in the same division. Russell Wilson, um, the man with a plan, he seems to be looking for the exit door out of Seattle. What do you make of this? I mean, for one, I mean, it just really, to me, it highlights that we know nothing in Dynasty. Everybody's like, oh, this guy's, I mean, three months ago, you would have said that Russell Wilson was going to retire a Seattle Seahawk. I mean, that yeah. would just been like the thing, the default answer. Now it's like, well, we're answering calls, but we're not going to trade him. It's like, okay, like we've played this song and dance before. Like we know yeah. what's happening here. Is this not just crazy? Like, I think it's crazy. I think that Seattle would be completely idiotic to trade him. But I think if anything, what happens by – Russell Wilson saying this it's what he's saying is I am not happy with what I'm working with right now I need more and you need Mm -hmm. to give me more in order to want for me to want to stay and play happily and I think hopefully you know 
the, the front office can make some good decisions and get him some more pieces, get some more consistency. Obviously, they dealt with a lot of injuries last year. Their running back position has still been too much of a mix mash for them to get the ball, the running game going. And I think that Russell Wilson's had a lot of good moments this past season. He had some great ones as well. But the defense, like, what happened to that defense? It used to be a really strong defensive front, and it is just not that. So what he's Richard looking Sherman at Richard Sherman left. Richard Sherman left. So they just, they need more parts in order to make the entire team successful. Defense mm-hmm. wins championships, and they would go through games where they were doing well, and then because their defense could not keep up, yeah. it was just exhausting Russell Wilson. So he can't be consistent that way. Yeah. It's just def- not fair. Their defense definitely is not what it used to be. And I think, you know, part of it, too, is Russell Wilson, I read today or saw today, you know, he views himself as a top five quarterback and he's not used that way. And that would be very frustrating to, you know, know that you've got the juice and know you've got the skills and even know you've got the pieces around you and your coaches out here, you know, having you drop back. 14 times you know it's just like dude come on and you watch Patrick Mahomes and you watch Tom Brady ripping it you know a guy that you've beat in the Super Bowl yeah he just won another Super Bowl and you haven't even been back he's been back a couple times it's just like you gotta be that's gotta be pretty annoying so I you know free Russell Wilson I guess um no free Russell Wilson I mean based on the stats that he had this last season too it's crazy that they didn't have better progress in the playoffs he had over 4,000 passing yards he had 40 passing touchdowns he had uh 83 carries, five over 500 rushing yards himself, and two rushing touchdowns on his own. So with crazy stats like that, how were did they not go further? How did they not go further? Because the entire team wasn't well-rounded. He yeah. can't carry the entire team. Yeah, they hamstrung him for sure. Mm-hmm. And again, I think it their corner situation. I mean, since Earl Thomas left, Chance, you know, Chandler, uh, what Cam Chancellor, and then mm-hmm. Richard Sherman. I mean, everyone's like Bobby Wagner, Bobby Wagner, Bobby Wagner. I get it. Bobby Wagner's great, but I mean that defense. He's one guy. He was one guy on an elite defense. Bruce uh, Irving too. I mean, there was there was guys all over that defense. Okay, I mean Bobby Wagner. We we love to talk about him, but even as an IDP person, I you know he he he's a little juiced up for me. Um, yeah. <laughs> all right, let's do some free agency talk. Um, I figured we would just talk about a couple of odds and ends, guys. This is a big year. Let's stick with the Steelers. Uh, Before we do that, though, with all these quarterbacks going crazy right now, doesn't it just, like, kill you as a Steelers fan that we just re-signed Big Ben? Like, I'm just like, please, no. Yeah, no, I mean. (laughs) I love Big Ben, but. I want to win. <laughs> I know. I want to win, too. And then I was hoping, okay, maybe this offseason we'll make some moves, finally get, you know, some young blood in there at quarterback. And then we signed Dwayne Haskins. And I was like, that's not what I meant. Yeah, not That wasn't, close. no. And no, there's it's guys like when you available. send an email and it's just like, it goes unread. And then someone reads the first line of the email and then they reply. It's like, you didn't read the whole email. That's not what I wanted. Like, what are you doing? No, it's just. Yeah, Dwayne Haskins <sighs> is definitely not it. It's just crazy, yeah. like. You know, we have Deshaun Watson essentially available. We have mm-hmm. Russell Wilson maybe available. I mean, Stafford was available, and it's just like we're going to re-sign Big Ben, knowing that the future is dark. You know, the night is dark and full of terrors, and it's right around the corner. Yeah. Um, you know, Big Ben, when he's running around out there, I mean, it's it's comical. It's a, it's a cap space issue, and I think that, you know, as – fans we look at that and we think okay well then get rid of this guy get rid of this guy get rid of him we just immediately start slashing and burning but it's you know it's not as simple as that these contracts are not that simple for them to just you know cut people across the board you know it's like that meme trade everyone like i guess i want to get make some moves in order for us to get a better quarterback for us to be viable you know in the nfl going forward we need to have one of these 
crazy mobile quarterbacks that's going to be multifaceted. That's just the way that the league is changing, where you see these guys that have a great rushing floor and are able to move around. What I love about Big Ben is that, you know, he's worked through a lot of injuries, but besides just standing back and being a brick wall, we need him to do more than that. Yeah. Yeah. He's got the weapons. It's just, I don't know. This it, Things just have not really been what they were for the Steelers. I feel like they had a window a couple mm-hmm. of years ago and it's like, it's still cracked open, but man, it's the, that crack is getting smaller and smaller. So and the air is getting cold. That's going through that window. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about Juju. I've kind of been speculating that I think he's going to end up on the dolphins um, okay. based, based on absolutely nothing. Just me kind of pulling that out of thin air. But yeah. I mean, he's the, he's a good, he's a great receiver. He's a possession receiver. Um, you know, that he may not be a true alpha, but they have enough picks that they're going to go there this year. They'll address the wide receiver position in a way they did not last year with those picks, you know? So yeah, I could see them kind of making a power, like a, like a power move. Like this could be an, like an assault year for the dolphins, especially if they make this aggressive move for their quarterback. But what do you think about Juju? Do you want him to come back to the Steelers? Where would you like him to land? What do you think about, you know, Miami is a potential spot? Um, Miami's, a potential spot, a spot that I think for Juju, he's, he's a hometown guy as well. So he's, you know, when he's off season, he's in LA. So that's where he's at all the time. I wouldn't be surprised because he's a big family guy if he wanted to stay in LA. And if he did that, I think that the Chargers would actually be a good fit for him. Him with Herbert, I think would be a really good combo. And I think that they have some other guys that are going to become free agents that could free up some cap space. And I think makes sense for him to stay home. Um, so I could see that being a fit. I love Juju. I think he's, you know, a fantastic receiver. I think he's a great personality and also just a really fun off the field guy, fun follow on all the platforms. I think that it might be time for us to let go. Like it's not easy. It's not easy yeah. for me. I don't want to let go. I want to hold on tight to all of my Steelers forever. Like, just like I wish I, we still had Palomalu and Heinz Ward. I wish I had all my guys so I, they could all just be together. Mm-hmm. However, realistically moving forward, I don't know that Juju is the future for the Steelers. It yeah. hurts me to say it. It hurts. Like I'm getting choked up. It's not. Okay. Yeah, I know. You're right. And it's a money thing. Claypool. Mm-hmm. It doesn't help that Claypool went out there and balled out. So he did. He balled uh, out. And I feel like he's got, a. you know, that's just the way that we've cycled through wide receivers. You know, the freshmen come in, the sophomores stay, and then they just kind of cycle out very quickly. Yeah. Um, and that's just what happens. But it's what happens with all receivers. I think across the board and a lot of teams, you know, once, defenses become aware of these new big amazing targets and we saw it very quickly happen this season where immediately the coverage was on Claypool because they realized oh shit this big target in you know the red zone we should probably cover that guy so people adapt very quickly so people know Juju's number one so you gotta just keep things moving it sucks but I don't want to let him go but if if he goes anywhere I would like to see him go to the Chargers because I think that he would still have a ton of fantasy value Love that. And I love that we're both, you know, thinking give him to a young quarterback, you know, someone yeah. he can develop some rapport with, someone he's, Absolutely. you know, he's kind of a veteran now. It's crazy to say mm-hmm. that about Juju Smith Schuster, but, you know, yeah. I mean, he's played in the playoff games. I mean, he's been under, he, I mean, he's been in some games. So, mm-hmm. um, and he's done some things in the league. What let's talk about a defensive uh, free agent. What do you think about Shaq Barrett's uh, chances of, you think he's going to, I imagine he's going to want to get paid. I don't think that Tampa Bay is going to have what it takes. They could franchise tag him again, I think, but, 
I feel like he's going to want to go out and make that money, especially as a guy who was playing like third string for Denver two years ago. He, yeah. this is kind of his moment. So where would you, you know, have you thought about that or is there any like teams that you think, I mean, obviously the Seahawks need pass rush, but they're kind of cash strapped too, I think. So yeah, there's plenty of teams that are desperate and could use a player like him. So hopefully he does get paid. However, what I think would help him more is if he stayed one more year, because the way that the Bucks are built now with that defense is in another win situation. So as long as they don't screw things up in that sense and don't get snake bitten with injuries, they could immediately make another playoff push just the way that they're looking. I mean, you know, it's they didn't just win with Brady. They won because of this amazing defense. And when everyone came back from being hurt, they were really successful together. So I would think and hope, at least for Bucks fans, that he stays there and they can shore up another very successful season. I mean, even if they don't win a Super Bowl again next year, but they make it to the playoffs, that's just more that goes onto his resume to get an even bigger contract elsewhere should he get traded. Yeah, really good point. And, you know, the, the brand equity of winning back-to-back championships, too, I mean, that's going to keep paying off, um, you know, well after whatever your contract is. So if you can yeah. get both those things, why wouldn't you try and push for that? So I like that. And, I mean, yeah, I, I like that. So, all right, let's go ahead and jump into the main event now. We're about 15 minutes in. Let's talk about what is Dynasty Fantasy Football. Um, I'll kind of give my take on Dynasty Fantasy Football kind of when I entered, you know, the space now that that's what we call it. Um, and then you can kind of give us your background on it and then we'll kind of go from there. But essentially dynasty fantasy football is just like redraft, except for you have one giant draft and then that's your main draft. It's called your, your, your fantasy startup draft. So it would be like your regular, uh, redraft league, but instead at the end of the season, instead of your rosters being cleared out and you start over, you keep those same players. It's just that simple. Um, you're going to have bigger rosters obviously because you are going to keep all of the players in the league. So, um, waiver wire situation is not going to be as hopping as it is in uh, as it is in redraft. You're not going to be like scouring the waiver every week and seeing a lot of turnover. Maybe at the very beginning of the season you will, and in, in a shallower leagues you will, but that's a little bit less uh, common. And then you'll you will have a, a draft every year still like a, your redraft league, but it'll be what's called a rookie draft. And so in that you will just draft from the incoming pool of rookie players. You can do that before the NFL draft. Generally, it's best done after the NFL draft. And you do that draft every single year. So you have one giant startup draft where you draft all, all the players that are available in the NFL. Then every year after that, you have a rookie draft. And that's essentially what Dynasty Fantasy Football is. It's just a way for you to build your team long-term. It gives you more variables on how to build your team because your rosters are bigger. Um, and it allows your league to kind of develop its own economy, ecosystem, a lot of people call it, culture. Um, it's like a, each league is like its own little world. Some are better than others. Um, you know, some you see have some of the same people in them. You might be neighbors in one league with, you know, some guy and then another league, you're like, oh, that's my arch nemesis. So yeah. you have like these these through lines in your leagues. You might have, you'll, you'll, see, you'll notice too about yourself. You'll be like, oh, somehow I have this guy on every team. Like I'm so ate up, but it's just like, that's just what I'm doing this year. That That's my strategy. So it gives you that ability to kind of, you see how you like to play fantasy football. You see how other people play fantasy football and it gives you a long-term approach to fantasy football. Um, so that's kind of dynasty fantasy football in a nutshell, really. Um, Sam, what do you got for us? Well, 
I mean, what's great about Dynasty is uh, I think there's a lot of different ways that people play it. I've heard a lot of different systems across the board. I have a my cousin plays in a Dynasty league in which his players are all ranked on a point system. So in order to start the year, you take the team that you had last year and you look at the points that are appointed per each player and you're, you can't go over a certain number of points. So let's say someone like Christian McCaffrey is a three and then someone like Robert Woods is a one and maybe Justin Herbert's a one and you can't go over 10 points on your keepers. So maybe you're trying to max out with a lot of studs and then maybe you're trying to maybe only keep all the younger guys, depending on how you want to build your roster for the season. Um, also, like with my dynasty league, we have, we had, God, it was eight years ago when we started the dynasty league. So it's hard to think back to our original draft, but ours is all based on salary. So we have a max salary cap of $300. And when you go into a draft, cause we do actually have a draft every year, as well as a rookie draft. When you go into the draft, you cannot go over, I want to say $220 to enter the draft. You can't have more money on your current roster than that. And that's because you need to fill up the rest of your vacant spots. We have 13 keepers in that league. This is also a full IDP league. So there are six IDP slots to fill on that one. Um, We have a rookie draft. So with the rookies, when you draft a first round rookie, their contract automatically is $5. A second round one is $3. And a third round rookie is $1. They have those rookie contracts for, I want to say, three years. And then after the three years, then you can either re-sign them and you add an extra $6 per year to the contract that you want to keep them. And that $6 is accumulated. So for Chase Claypool, I got him for a dollar last year. Woo! Very excited. If I want to re-up him at the end of the three-year rookie contract, what I'll do is look at, okay, I probably want to keep him another three years. That's $6 per year. So then I add that up and that's 18 plus the $1. So now he's $19. And I keep that nine paid that $19 for the three years that I have him. Um, this all gets very, very complicated very quickly in that league because we just went full as much as we can make it like a real, you know, franchise. We did that. The one thing that we haven't done yet is create franchise tags on players. So that's a whole other thing that we're working on doing. But what I love about Dynasty, I'm going on a tangent here, is there's it. tons of ways to do it. So when we first did it, it was just eight keepers. Now we're at 13. Now we're at two QB and now we're at six slots on the IDP. It evolves. So there's there's lots of different ways you can do it. I know it can sound daunting in different fashions, but if you're curious about it, I would definitely encourage people to start with at least, you know, six keepers and then you have a draft because that can also change the value of those players. And what's fun about salary is you've got someone, you know, if they come in as a rookie like Chase Claypool and I'm getting him really on the cheap, that's fantastic value. But then you can see how high someone like Aaron Jones will go in a draft or how high someone like Deshaun Watson, like Patrick Mahomes that people will pay for. And then you realize, oh, I can't overspend a certain amount in order to all get good players. So there's a whole other side to the strategy of, getting these amazing players, but paying a high price for them, which is a lot more fun to me than redraft. You're really having to think about value long-term on that player. Yeah. Redraft is very, by the time redraft season rolls around August, it's very binary. It's like, why don't you just, I mean, you could almost just hit auto draft and then just like shoot me at a team, which is one of my big beefs with um, 
only offensive leagues. I don't play. I only play in one league now that has no IDP players in it. And the, that league is just like, I look at my roster and it's like, I go to scroll and there's nothing there. And I'm like, Oh, yeah. like that's it. Okay. Like, Oh, that's this league. So it's kind of crazy to me. Um, you know, whenever you think about the draft and putting your team together, you know, that's what you say. And it's interesting to me that you use your, you speak about keeper leagues and dynasty leagues interchangeably, um, which, mm-hmm. uh, that's kind of not overly common. I feel like people, a lot of people have kind of moved away from keeper leagues, but I, I it's, it's interesting. I wonder if we'll see a resurgence in that because of the, you know, you, you have a lot of exodus at the end of every year too, from people from dynasty leagues, because they're like, well, this team sucks or I can't manage this. Mm-hmm. There's nothing really coming except the rookie draft. Oh, I only have a fourth this year. And then you're like, I'm out, you know, you get people yeah. out. But if you do, you know, I wonder if we'll see this, this more where you, keep like 50 percent of your roster and mm-hmm. I, I like also the the salary cap bit you're talking about i've never played in a salary cap league well i tried to play in one and i was i just couldn't do it like <laughs> i just was like I'm, I'm out so yeah. i couldn't figure it out as well but i know a lot of people really enjoy that and i i like listening to people talk about it and i really enjoy the perspective it brings and it's made me look at players contracts when i look at ranking players now a lot more too because it gives me i said this uh, this, earlier this week on a show, like in a tier of players of quarterbacks, let's say, and you're in a tier and uh, the guy I was talking to was John Bauer and he had a uh, Jalen hurts and he had Kirk cousins in the same tier. And mm-hmm. he's like, you know, that's the same tier. I was like, it is, but I was like, but when you can look at the contract and see that NFL franchises value Kirk cousins this way and Jalen hurts is like a rookie on a short leash Mm-hmm. that changes the tears to me. So just that, that money side of things, seeing that, hearing more people talk about that has definitely changed how I view players and how I rank players in my head. Um, and I, I think that's an important part of dynasty too, especially, you know, being ahead of that year of free agency or being ahead of the big contract. A lot of people right now are like, well, Dak, and I'm like, get Dak now, because as soon as that money hits the bank, you're never going to get him, you know, just like yeah. you can't get Patrick Mahomes from me. And it's mm-hmm. like, you won't, you know, I mean, like there's just, you know, people become untouchable and it's quick, how quick it's funny, how quick it can happen too. Yeah. In the NFL, again, back to our earlier conversation where we don't know anything, you know, so. We don't know so, anything until all the chips are laid on the table. We don't know anything until the first day of the season starts. That's when we'll know a hundred percent what we're getting. Yeah, exactly. And even then, well, and th- then the next week they'll probably, you know, especially with the Patriots, they'll pull the, the rug out from under us real quick again. Um, so, so you said you've played in IDP leagues. This league has been an IDP league for a while. Tell us why, or what's your experience with IDP been like? I know a lot of people, a lot of people don't play IDP and that kind of, not like bothers me, but it, I feel like it's because they don't understand it. And I, mm-hmm. like, and I feel like that's a failing on our part as content creators writ large to, to engage in uh, IDP fantasy football. Um, part of that may be because I said this on a, a video recently, because our minds, when we think about defense, we think of defensive actions as like as negative actions and an offense, you think of, you know, linearly, like we're moving forward, we're scoring points, Mm -hmm. um, we're running up a total. And when defense, you think the opposite, but you have to think of your defensive players in my mind as just their offensive players to your fantasy team. They just score their points differently. So I feel like if we could get people to kind of take a mind, a shift in their mind, okay, like 
a sack is an aggressive play. Like that is a, and that is a, something that's pushing my fantasy team forward. If we could talk about it like that, I think people might engage it a little bit more, but sorry, that was kind of a tiny tangent, but you played IDP for a while. Tell us why you enjoy IDP. Does it, has it made the game more enjoyable for you? Um, and just, yeah, tell, tell us about it. Yeah, it's definitely made it more enjoyable for me. I mean, I think, in, and I mean, like, like you said, I've, I've played in a lot of different types of formats. So I've, done regular defenses I've played in IDP I've played in leagues that don't have any defense um but what I like about it is it creates another level of how you play against your opponent week to week so it's kind of fun when you're playing against a quarterback where you've got some defensive players going against him it gives you a bit more in my opinion an edge or maybe just it's it's just a little bit of swagger when you're going into that game. You're like, okay, well, I know this guy is going to dominate on this part of the field and he's going to be able to cut a lot of stops, get a lot of tackles. And that's the thing with IDP that it's a slow roll on points when it comes to just a tackle here, you know, a stuff here. And there's a couple little pieces that build up, but then you can get these big moments where you get the interception, you get the pick six, and then you get a lot of great value. So when you're looking at defenses on a whole, and you see those big numbers and, you know, the Bucks had a lot of great overall defensive games when, you know, they had these interceptions, you had these big plays. But when you have a single player that's capable of getting a pick six and you've got multiple players that are capable of getting those pick sixes, you have the possibility of making a lot more points on those multiple players than just a single position that you get with a defensive position compared to others so like I said with this league originally when we started IDP we had three slots now we've got six and it's because all of us are addicted to getting these extra little booms of points from these big defensive plays so a couple players that I have in this league in particular I have Levante David who had a lot of amazing plays a lot of amazing tackles not tons and tons of sacks compared to some other players but he was so consistent on tackles per week that he was averaging me a lot of points, which was fantastic for that position. And when you look at your overall team in fantasy, what we're trying to do is get the most average points per position week to week. So that's what's really fun about some of these defensive guys. You can average 10 points per that position. So if you have a receiver that ducks out for one game, you're still getting amazing points from those defensive plays. Mm-hmm. Maybe a pick six or two. I've got, uh, I got Minka Fitzpatrick, which I was super excited about when they made that trade. I was like, hello yeah. to the, I got Minka. And I think I got yeah. him for like a dollar too. So it was one of those oh, really nice pickups. And he's just someone that, you know, has that big playability. He'll have this consistent, you know, tackles and stuffs in different moments. And that's fine. You know, your average defensive player is not going to get you 10 points a game linebackers more so than others will get you those 10 points. But, you know, if you can average anywhere between like, I don't know, four to seven points per position in mm-hmm. IDP, you're pretty excited about that. It's a good consistent number. But if you've got someone like Minka, who's fantastic at sitting back, waiting, reading the quarterback's eyes and getting those interceptions, that's a lot of good fantasy goodness. And it's just yeah. exciting. You can, I don't know, maybe I become and a bit exciting. more like, talk about these points and accumulating these points. Just give me all the points. It's just, it's more opportunities. That's how you points. win. That's yeah, the name of the game points. Win. You know, yeah. I just give me the guy who scores points. Uh, yeah. I love Minka. Um, some people kind of dog him in IDP cause he's too big play heavy, but I'm like, man, if he gets 75 yeah. tackles a year, like that's fine. Like there Pretty are plenty much. of defensive backs that don't do that and also don't get picks. So Exactly. I'll take him. That's kind mm-hmm. of my thought process on him. Um, all right. So do you play dynasty 
over much different than you play redraft. I know that some people are like um, they can some people say they completely approach dynasty from like a long term perspective. But I've kind of realized just I think I always play to win every year mm-hmm. I'm playing to win. So I'm always like I'm always all my teams I'm just working on. So it's kind of like redraft where I'm, I'm active, you know, like I do my draft, but then I'm always trying to make my team a little bit better. And I'm always trying to win every year. I don't try. I don't I'm not a big fan of like the long drawn out or like the guy that has like, look at all these picks I have for the next five years. I'm like, great. Like you can I'll mail you the championship. Like that's my mentality in dynasty. But yeah, and that's kind of a redraft mentality that I've brought over where it's like this is the year because every year is the year. Yeah, um, but but do do you play like that, or do you play? Are you a little bit more calculated, long long scheming, or? Um, I've I've played in a couple. I have a couple dynasty leagues now. A, a couple extra ones that were accumulated due to COVID last year that I grabbed onto, and there were some that I just kind of lit on fire, and I was like, I will just take all the picks and figure it out next year because I was just trying to figure out too many things at the same time. And I'm like, you know what? I'll just get all the picks and see what happens. So in one dynasty league, I have like something stupid like six or seven first round picks this coming draft so it's like and i've just got tons of youth so great i get to figure out what i want to do with those pieces make all the picks and draft all i want and then maybe make a lot of trades and make some moves around that's what's really fun about leagues like that is when you set yourself up in my opinion to just completely flip the script and it's like you know what i'm okay with not winning this year it's fine i can figure out how to remap it next year and what i like about that it's because I'm going to have to do that extra research on that. I'm going to make better decisions on different dynasty leagues that I already have that have been long going, like this other one that I've been talking about, where I maybe don't have as many draft picks. And that's okay because I know far deeper into the draft who I can wait on and then pick up in the other draft and then get them really late, get them really cheap, and then maybe make some trades to get other players that I'm really excited about. So I think it's just a different way to look at it. I mean, I definitely always want to play to win every year. I mean, in redraft, I definitely play harder to win. But when it comes to dynasty, I feel like it's a lot easier for me to see how the season is shaping out and be like, all right, do I realistically have the ability to make the push? Yes. All right. We pull the levers. We do what we got to do. We make the push to try and win. Last year, I made it to the championships again and was trying to, you know, repeat because I'd won the year before, but I didn't. But hey, I was able to set my dynasty league up because of COVID. I made all of my decisions based on trying to keep this same squad for two years. I, so everything that I did this past year, I will have next year as well. So I know that I've already set myself up to be in a winning position for this coming year. And that's what's kind of fun about doing the salaries and Hmm. getting all these contracts to line up. It's just being able to see, okay, I am structured to win now. If you're able to see that bubble, I think a little bit easier Mm -hmm. than certain other ones where, okay, this contract is terminating. So I know I need to get this player offloaded and then see who else I can get. And then I can figure out how I float amongst the, I can win now, I should wait and then just be okay with getting the draft picks. And then, you know, it's, it's cyclical. Yeah. And I think that right now in that league, I'm like, I'm in a good sweet spot. It's like, I got another chance, one more chance this next year. And then I might have to, you know, blow it up and redo it all again. I like that. Uh, the, the salary cap kind of hitting its stride, like mm-hmm. knowing that's an interesting element there. And I also like what you said about having that perspective of blowing up a team. Maybe I, you know, I've got, 
like a dozen or so teams. Maybe I should blow one up, just see what it's like and see if it does make me, you know, view some players differently. I, I, I've got one or two I've toyed with. There's a couple where the problem is, like I said, because I played to win, like I either made the playoffs and like almost all my leagues or I was like one and went away. So I'm just like, yeah. I'm just like, I know these teams are at least decent. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just like, man, there's one or two or I, I think I might give that strategy a world this year and just see what I can come up with. Um, so here's something I want to talk about. This is kind of a, a strategy. It's, you know, in Dynasty, you got to look, like you said, big picture, buying the dip, you know, players that are not what they were in the narrative uh, two, three years ago, like Juju, for instance, two mm-hmm. years ago, Dynasty wide receiver one. Now, mm-hmm. I mean, he's like a flex guy. Um, yeah. Debo Samuel, uh, I remember last year at the end of the season, you know, coming off of the Super Bowl, it was a very Debo Sambo centric world. Um, and now it's a very not like anti Debo Samuel, but it's just like he's not getting the hype that he was for a while. Baker Mayfield, another player, he's going to be a top five dynasty quarterback. Dur, 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 dur. He had a bad season, bad season mm-hmm. and a half. What do you think about, you know, being able to pull the trigger and buy the dip on? on players like that. Is that something that more people need to be? Is that a strategy that you implement or do you have a hard time doing that? Cause I sometimes will go to buy the dip, but I feel like I'm a little too cheap. So I don't actually get it. And yeah. then I miss it. See, I think my issue is I'm, it's hard for me to let go when I've been burned in the past. So it's hard for me to rebuy a player that has burned me a previous yeah. season. There's certain players that, you know, they have your heart and so you'll, you'll be able to give them one more chance. But when it comes to someone like Juju, I mean, he could immediately switch his value depending on if he gets moved somewhere. We mm-hmm. don't know what it's going to shape up to be. There could be some people that would say the argument, well, he wasn't anything last year. What makes him different this year? Because they're not looking at the situational move and that benefit. Just perceived value, though. In the mm-hmm. dynasty community, you don't actually have to do, play a snap of football to change your value. Yep. I mean, it's funny, like Juju is a perfect example. No matter where he goes, as long as it's not the Jets, yeah. um, his value will see a spike. I mean, there's almost so and he won't have done anything. Nothing will be, you know, it just happens. That's dynasty. Um, it's funny you say that about players who burn you. I drafted um, DeAndre Hopkins, the Brock Osweiler year. And I've never touched him since. <laughs> it was a nightmare. And I went and saw him play too at uh, at Lucas Oil Stadium against uh, Andrew Luck, and it was a nightmare. Like the first play of the game, like Brock Osweiler overthrew him wide open by like 15 yards, and I was like, "Dear God, <laughs> <laughs> that's horrible." Yeah. But no, I mean that's the other thing. I think when it comes to strategy of buying the dip on a player, I mean. I will if his situation changes. If his situation doesn't change, I'm not going to. Um, because what else? I need to see other things change. Or maybe if it's someone that's in a crowded backfield and they're still in the same situation, but they've offloaded some players. Okay, their situation and their possible target share has shifted. Then I would potentially take a buy on that player. But if things aren't shifting, then I'm not going to take that risk. Yeah, it's interesting too. You know, things did shift for the and that the very first best example is that next year I did not draft DeAndre Hopkins in the fifth round after taking him in the first that year. He finished that next year's D wide receiver one. I mean, it immediately hurt. It, I got hurt on both ends. I skipped the value in the fifth, so I didn't play out the strategy. And I took him too early, and he burned me. Same thing. But look at Todd Gurley. There was managers, people that got Todd Gurley 
uh, that one year, the last Jeff Fisher year, he was terrible. And so mm-hmm. nobody wanted him. He was available that same year. I remember so well. I don't know why I remember this year so well. Maybe it's because I almost won. Um, <laughs> Todd Gurley, he was like the number one running back after yeah. being like wide running back like 18. So buying the dip is it's how you accumulate value outside of the draft. Um, and it can be it can happen in the draft as well. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anybody, a few of those guys I named. I think Baker Mayfield and Kirk Cousins in Superflex leagues right now are two of my favorite guys that for whatever reason they're they're not really being valued the way they should because they're going to be around for a while. Mm-hmm. And I feel like because they haven't really blown up, they're they're this is a dip moment for them potentially. Yeah. So um that. all right, let's talk about platforms quickly. Um, you know, we have the big dogs, ESPN, NFL, CBS, they've been around forever, Fantrex, MFL, and then we got the new kids on the block, sleeper. Um, just quickly, you know, what are your what's your experience? What do you think about the fact that ESPN is the same app that it's basically been since the dawn of time? Um, well, I've, I've, I've been on ESPN, you know, leagues since college. It's the first platform I started drafting Mm -hmm. on. So I'm very used to it. I love the mock draft format that they have. It's uh, really, I like it. I think it's the easiest way to just jump into a draft with your friends and just get a good mock going. Although I am warming up to more options that are on sleeper because I have a lot of teams on sleeper as well. Um, I've had, uh, let's see, this year was the year I had the most platforms. I was on MFL, I was on Sleeper, I was on Yahoo, and I was on ESPN. There was a lot of leagues to check every week. Yeah. It was exhausting. But um, I do, I'm, Sleeper is growing on me more and more um, in a lot of the different methods that it has. For my league, my, my main Dynasty one, we've been talking about building our own app for Dynasty just because we have so many nitty gritty little rules and things. So we're working on developing our own and we're trying to see if we can make one. So currently have the guys are working of, on that. Have you heard of RSO? reality mm-hmm. sports online you should check them out they um they're a smaller platform but they p- allow you to do a lot of salary cap type of stuff very customizable um i've only thing i've really heard negative about them is some of their designations for idps are a little off but i mean that's mm-hmm. just industry standard at this point so yeah can't hold that against them um okay here's here's kind of a fun one this is this might get a little in the weeds but this will be fun okay so we talked about strategy and understanding your leagues. Um, and one of the things to me that's most important in fantasy is understanding your league. So each league, and I call them ecosystems. Each league mm-hmm. is a unique ecosystem. And within that ecosystem, there are predators, there are prey, and there are scavengers. That's kind mm-hmm. of how I have broken down my league mates, archetypes, the people I play with, and then identifying those people within that league. Um I've never really shared this before, but I think about it a lot. So I've kind of have a few archetypes. I'll just kind of give you here, just kind of, and I'm sure you will probably agree with some of them, but mm-hmm. everybody's like, oh, I'm a shark. You know, all the, everyone who's good at fantasy is like, I'm a shark. So when I think of a shark, I'm thinking that's the guy in your league who is constantly trading. He doesn't always win, but he's constantly trading. He's always talking, you know, he'll, he'll message you back quickly. Like that's the shark. And he usually gets to the playoffs and his team's pretty good, but his team this week is not going to be the same team in six weeks. Cause that guy's make, he's turning people over. He's, he's usually staying pretty good. Right. So that's mm-hmm. one of your, your predators, my other predators. And this is the one I think that is the, a lot of people sleep on in their dynasty leagues. I call them serpents. So I think of a, a guy, like I think of like a boa constrictor in, in the, in the rainforest, just sitting by the path, waiting weeks weeks months go by doesn't move nothing happens and then all of a sudden 
something happened, and then boom, you this is the guy that pops up in your league, and you're like, holy shit, he just got Christian McCaffrey and Patrick Mahomes. I have he hasn't been online in six months. I yeah. look at that. That's that guy. He he he's very opportunistic the way that he's a predator. And he he he'll wait till the right moment. He's doesn't he's not the shark. He's not busy. He's not bothering people. That guy is that's the guy you really gotta worry about in my mind. That's the guy he'll make two or three trades a year, but they're always in his favor and they're just always like mind blowing stuff. And they usually do it around draft time, you know, because mm-hmm. that's when everybody starts getting a little upset. Then I've got your sheep. We all know who the sheep are. They're the people that listen to the ball. The, no shade on the sheep. We all, everyone's a sheep in, to a degree. These are people that listen to the ballers. They're scanning fantasy pros. Um, you know, they listen. The, these are the people that hang out in the hot sheets. You know, they're they're on the Twitter Twitter sphere. They're kind of they're kind of the accumulation of just all of the information, and they just do whatever all of the information tells them to do. And that's fine. Those people get eaten by sharks and serpents. <laughs> um, and then the other one I have is I call them vultures. And these mm-hmm. are the guys they're 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 not predators, but they think they are. They're they usually if someone makes a big trade, they'll maybe make a trade afterwards with that same guy. They want to be kind of a part of things. They're always kind of moving around, but they're never really a serious threat. Mm-hmm. So when I look at my leagues, I kind of put people into these kind of categories. Those vultures are also be the guys that like won't do trades. Like they'll, they'll, they'll maybe they'll put spin the wire a lot, but they won't interact a lot with the league. Sometimes they're just kind of like off on their own. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of how I view leagues. And I call them the ecosystem of your league. And it's when you identify these people, you can decide how your relationship's going to be with them. Symbiotic, you know, are we kind of sharing territory here? Like, am I, you know, do I have an understanding with you that I will see you in the playoffs and we're going to laugh about, you know, that trade that just went down with that vulture and that sheep. Mm -hmm. So when you view your leagues, is there a certain way that you kind of view teams or view your, your opponents that kind of helps you figure out who you should be worried about or how you approach that individual based on their play style. Yeah. Uh, I like that you call it an ecosystem. I think that that's very true of a lot of different types of leagues. I mean, my one big league, I mean, like I said, we've been uh, playing together since college. So we also will draft in person. We have a lot of these, you know, very personable interactions with each other. Um, so as a result of that, you know, there's definitely the guys that are always talk, trying to talk trade with you or they think my favorite is the guy that always thinks you overvalue your player that they're trying to get from you. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you want him. So how am I overvaluing him if I want more for him? He's no, 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 he's not even worth that. He's not even worth that. I'm like, <laughs> uh, yeah. So definitely they fall into the vulture category. They're just trying <laughs> to take advantage yeah. where they can. And it's like, no, I'm paying attention. I'm not asleep. You no. can't just like take my players from me. And then a shark more. shows up and gets a deal done. And then mm-hmm. they're messaging you again about a part of that deal. Oh, oh yeah. And my favorite yeah. is when that, that person, when they see you trade that person to someone else, well, you just didn't want me to have him. No, you <gasps> didn't make me a good <gasps> offer. Like this yeah. is not like, this is not personal. This is business. You know, yeah, fantasy is always business. Um, I, I think that there's also a lot of people that will constantly, constantly trade. I find that exhausting. Like I, I love to get excited about my players and watch them grow, especially in dynasty formats. I think that's part of the fun of having these dynasty players. Yeah. So as soon as I get a guy, I want to watch him play. I don't want to just immediately hand him off. Like, thank you. It, I traded yeah. him. I traded to get him, or yeah. I drafted him because I wanted him to play. This is a family. This is my. This is a family. This is over my here. family. Don't take yeah. my kids. These this are is my a family kids. business over here. All right. <laughs> yes, I mean, there's definitely other players where you know, 
that sounds terrible. They're my least favorite kids. You can take them. But yeah. there's there's other guys that like, as soon as you get them and then someone tries to trade you for them, it's like, I just worked to get him. Why would yeah. I trade him away? Unless yeah. you're offering me everything. I'm there's not nothing. Him. Yeah. There's nothing you could do to get him from me at this point. There are certain players that I've landed on my, like I got a trade offer today from a guy. It was a strong, it was a strong as hell offer for Terry McLaren, like strong. And I was yeah. just, He's like, what'd you think about that offer? I was like, honestly, it was a really strong offer and I'm going to decline. <laughs> yeah, but then I think when you're, when you play fantasy and like, you know, you've made someone a good offer and they're just not bite, biting, it's not because you didn't give them a good offer. It's because they just have this yeah. personal bias on this player I, and they really want them. Exactly. I put them on my team for a reason. Like I know that, you know, everyone's, and I, and that's a shark move. The shark, again, that's the guy that and everybody's for sale. That's a shark mm-hmm. thing. Serpents aren't like that either. Serpents just didn't get bigger and bigger and bigger. These are the mm-hmm. guys that are sitting there and you just look over and all of a sudden they have Christian McCaffrey, four first round picks, Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, you know, mm-hmm. DeAndre Hopkins, Calvin, I mean, like they, and you're just like, oh my God, like, how did this happen? You've only, yeah. I've barely even seen you in here, but that's yeah. the thing. Like they're just accumulating mass. So I think it's 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 interesting to identify these people in your leagues. That's kind of one of the first things I try to do. You can notice a lot of them in the draft. The sharks are old. The sharks and I mean in the draft, pretty much the serpent in the draft. I call the serpents are the ones that don't do many trades. But you know, people in rookie drafts or startup drafts, so when trades are just flying, I mean, it's oh, yeah. just like that's when I'm like noticing people's trends, like who's trading with who, who's getting taken advantage of, who's you know targeting and like also paying attention to who they're going for when they do these you can it helps you identify who the sheep are okay who's moving up to get herbert here okay you know who's moving up to get kylo he drafted kyler okay like we got a kyler guy so what do i know about kyler guys so i mean i i I categorize people i think that's something that's a little bit you know we can talk about the x's and o's we can talk about the fantasy points we can player pontificate about yards per reception yards per catch blah blah at the end of the day, your opponent is some guy on his couch, you know, eating chicken wings or some gal. And the more I know about that person, the more likely I'm going to be able to beat them with the variables I've put on my team. So I put a lot of stock into understanding my league's ecosystems. And it also helps me know which leagues to waste my time in, what people to waste my time communicating with. And, you know, like there are leagues where I'm there are four people that I communicate with because that's mm-hmm. the people I know things will happen. We have a symbiotic relationship and then yeah. they have their other people. So I sometimes know if I want a player, I can't offer a trade to so-and-so because he doesn't like me. So mm-hmm. I have to go through such and such. He and I have a great relationship and he and him. So the more, you know, that the more ease of use you have within your ecosystem and you can put yourself up there as an apex predator. So, yeah, that's kind of a, I've thought about writing a more detailed article about it. I think it, I think it's something that, Game theory, you know, I feel like that's something that gets lost sometimes in the, the spreadsheet world we live in today. Of fantasy yeah, football. because ultimately what also comes down to, like, besides the stats of how a player is going to perform, is you're playing your opponent as well as his players. So depending on how that person plays the game, if there's someone that is a bit lazier, maybe forgets to set their lineups. You know that you can take advantage in certain ways. If there's someone that always, always trying to trade and always trying to get a deal, trying to come up with three-way, four-way trades, trying to get it going, you know, you have to play that person a little bit differently. You Mm -hmm. could make a last minute, you know, shift in your lineup and they can be like, why'd you do that? Yeah, exactly. You, you gotta spook them. They're spook, spook <laughs> yeah. them. Oh, there's certain guys you're like, all right, at 11:55, I gotta send them a message. Mm-hmm. 
hey, do you think Kenny Galladay is questionable? Yeah, or like I'll I'll leave a spot open maybe a little bit too too long I've so they done... think I'm not paying attention and then I'll switch it and then they're like shit I thought you weren't gonna do that. Yeah, I used to I used to think I was clever doing that, but I was like leaving Tyreek on my bench, so it was like obvious that I was like not gonna do that. Was, yeah. And so my buddies don't, find that they don't other guy. They don't buy it anymore, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, Sam, I'm kind of not say at a loss for words here, but I'm at a loss of my, my show sheets at the end. So any, any other topics or things you want to kind of discuss uh, about dynasty overall trade stuff or player stuff you want to talk about or anything at all, we can take, you know, a minute or two if you'd like, or. You know, sure. I mean, I think I would just, if, if people haven't played dynasty before, I'm sorry right now, Knox, no, my I, cat is yeah, trying to get name? his name is Knox and he's trying Knox, to like get, Dawson. Yeah, he's trying to uh, no, knocks like a, the Harry Potter spell because he's a black cat, like lights out. So, anyways, mm. I'm a big nerd. That aside, um, hey, Harry, do you listen? Do you listen to binge mode? No, I heard that listen, before. Though I need, need to. to listen to binge mode. Write that down. Yeah, I'm writing it down right now. Um, no, I would just say my one thing on um, Dynasty that if people don't play, that I would encourage people to try is there's so many different ways you can play Dynasty. So I would look at different platforms. I would look at you know other people that play and ask questions to people online, like myself or others that play IDP and get some notes, recommendations. And it's really really fun when you play with you know your core group of friends that are always watching football together. Anyways, for me, it's completely grown those friendships in a lot of really fun ways because you're so committed to that team and it makes you know football Sundays all the more fun because you're gonna watch it with that league and you know that's when you get um you get into fun shenanigans with that league my league is very very close in my opinion to the show the league and the way that we rip each other apart there's so much trash talk there's so much history with the way that people trade and it's like oh well we know that some best this guy's gonna blow his fab money in the first two weeks like it just creates such a fun (laughs) different level of banter than your average redraft league and then when it comes to learning more about individual players and individual coaching styles and individual just teams and how they manage and how they play their systems, I think that Dynasty gives you another layer of understanding on that because you're putting more time and effort into knowing why this player is performing on certain you know, teams and why mm-hmm. they perform really well against other teams. It just makes it more fun to really sink your teeth into the X's and O's and why those players are doing well and get you more excited about the upcoming guys. And you watch that tape. Okay. Well, I saw that he's, has got amazing agility. He'll be great on this team. And so uh, for me, one player that I got really hyped about, and I unfortunately talked about it too much because I didn't end up getting to draft him in any leagues because everyone heard that I wanted him. I really wanted Justin Jefferson. I was like, you know, the guy that's sitting on the other side with Adam Thielen in that offense is going to have a lot of opportunity. There's a lot of targets to go around. This is, this is the guy. And everyone's like, ah, there's other guys. I'm like, yes, but this is the guy that's going to get all the targets. I missed out on him and I was so pissed because he's a fantastic dynasty yeah. owner, like player to have. So there's, there's, there's those, it's okay. There's going to be other guys. And that's that I love. There's always going to be somebody else. It's going to be fine. <laughs> I love that attitude. <laughs> but that's the fun thing about, you know, dynasty in particular. It's just that you can really get such another level of attachment to these players year in and year out. So you're not just trying to play catch up in August or July of like, Mm -hmm. okay, well, so this guy's on this team, this guy's on this team, I guess I'll try and do this. It really makes it more of a year round sport, which given the situation we had last year with COVID, it makes it 
Yeah. There's plenty to do in the off season. So you're not, I mean, you're missing football, but not nearly missing it as much as you normally would be because you're constantly making trades. You're constantly making moves along with, you know, the entire NFL as they make trades, you can make trades throughout. And it just makes it so much more fun because it's almost like you're around football with all the stuff that happens. Yeah, football is a definitely a 17-week game, or I mean, we got the playoffs, but fantasy football can be in a year-round game. Um, yep. The best thing about the offseason is you can win without winning. All you got to do is, you know, screenshot all your best teams and talk about them. So that's that's the there's always those guys that they can never win the league, but man, they they win the offseason every year. I love those. Are, that's another thing about Dynasty is it gives you more chances to win. You can win. Yeah. You know, in the off season when nobody can tell you anything, or you can win the rookie draft, and you just win because you got the best player, and mm-hmm. you never really actually have to do anything for months. So you, you get little wins along the way that kind of build you up and bring you into the season. So yeah, yeah. Well, that's pretty much all I got. Um, we went right around an hour, which is perfect. That's kind of what I wanted to do. I didn't want to keep you on here too long. I really appreciate your time and insight. Um. I really am glad that you're getting into Sleeper. That's kind of my platform that I like to play on now. I've, I think for new people playing fantasy football, especially Dynasty, Sleeper, as far as a, a, a user interface and ease of use, um, it's maybe the one of the, the learning curve is a bit high, but mm-hmm. once you get it, it's very seamless and it makes sense. Um, so I know, I know ESPN is probably a little bit more, we're all kind of used to it. And, yeah. Know, well but once you get past like this the general differences it's kind of like whenever you go from if you are a mac user from a, a microsoft to a mac it's like at first it's like eh, this is icky but then you're like oh this makes sense and then you go back to a microsoft and you're like oh this is terrible <laughs> that's a good get, way to describe it but then you get used to it again so it is what it is yeah um all right well plug anything you got coming up any stuff that you want us to go check out the idp army to check out we appreciate you like i said taking your time and then i will get us out of here absolutely yeah thanks guys um you can find me over with the other guys at fantasy focused um you can subscribe to us on youtube we are going through a too early top five right now on youtube this past tuesday we did quarterbacks so our two early rankings for those uh quarterbacks uh, and you can go and hear all of our different rankings across the board and we talk trash back and forth why our picks are better than each other's um we think we've got running backs coming up next week i've also got the fantasy debate with sam and tate with me and my co-host Derek tate uh we'll be recording tomorrow and we've got our normal squad up on sundays we do a really fun something that came about as of covid last year where we do drafts of other things besides football. So we draft our favorite Adam Sandler movies and we talk why they're the number one over others and why this was a sleeper pick. So we kind of find other ways that we can draft and create squads, which is really fun. Um, But we've got tons of new content coming up. So subscribe to that and you can check those out. Also, I've got a lot of really fun one-on-one interviews, one-on-one with Sam. You can find on our YouTube there as well. I was able to interview Matthew Berry and Field Yates last year as as well as... Cynthia Freeland and Liz Loza and a lot of other cool people in the space. So it's been a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, that's a fun content to check out. And I'm always jumping on fun guest pods. So check me out anywhere. You can follow me on Twitter at Samantha R. Holt. Bada boom, bada bing. You heard it straight from the horse's mouth, as they say. Ladies, gentlemen, boys, girls, IDP Army. 
Thank you so much, Samantha. Thank you. Talking Dynasty. Guys, make sure you, like I said, go follow Samantha, all her stuff. Check that out. Um, go check out the Patreon. I'm going to be dropping some good stuff on there in a month or so. Um, I kind of gave you guys a rundown on that. Still working on that, but it's going to be awesome. It's going to be uh, basically the definitive IDP thing for 2021 so definitely be aware of that i'm going to be putting out some more information about that it may be a little teaser trailer coming soon so subscribe to the channel if you have not already make sure you thumbs up and until next time idp army good luck let the rain hit the sand build a house on a rock got a plan gotta get stocks keep them bands hear the clock tick blades on a fan used to be mundane on a monday now you have fun day on a sunday because you're switching it up and you're living it up you ain't getting it enough